0: Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace podcast. My co-host is Bob Hassan, and we are creating a conversation with Christian marketplace leaders who have careers that have been impacted by their faith. We are also
1: answering your questions about entrepreneurship,
0: business leadership,
1: careers, and how the kingdom of God changes your impact in the marketplace.
0: Come join the conversation now. Bob, we're here on the podcast today. I'm so excited about our conversation that we have later coming up with one of your friends. Tell us about him.
1: Oh, George Van Vliet's a real estate developer. He's been a believer for a long time. He's married. He's got two adult kids. I think the listeners are going to love him.
0: You know, what's interesting is when I first started investing, I was mentored by a guy named David Dreiling, who I love. And he was mentoring me and purchasing like units. And I was actually, I was a unit owner. I had seven units at one point. And it was a really interesting period of my life. Now it was not my thing. Like I didn't love having units and, and and managing, especially with like, they were lower income, managing people and like rental situation, section eight. He loved it and had lots of units and, but it was, it was something I cut my teeth on with God and with investing.
1: I think investing is very interesting. Either you love it or you don't. I mean, you and I both have interesting real estate stories into the houses we're both living in. Yeah. And so I think the listeners are going to love listening to George talk about how he cut his teeth i mean like we'll, we'll give a little preview he used to be a poker player
0: i know it's so wild that he was a professional poker player that was what he did with life and, and he got saved
1: yep and he got saved and then god turned in, into this real estate empire and his
0: his story is so
1: unique and i think i think it's going to be a really fun uh, interview
0: well it's interesting for you because you started 40 years ago as a painter did you ever have any other careers or any other jobs no No, that was it. Yeah, no. You're a painter. So now that you're doing all these stadiums and humongous projects, did you dream that that would happen one day or was it just something that happened through the years? It was kind of funny. I
1: thought I would become, my business would become bigger, but I never knew what it would look like. Yeah. And if you would have asked me, you know, way back then, you would have said, your business is going to look like this. I would have thought, oh, wow, I, no way. Wow, I love that. And so the God story is, is that he... He helps us even outside of our biggest dreams. His dreams are bigger.
0: Totally. And I think for me, I, he gave me so much eclectic experience where I did two to five years in certain things alongside ministry. And then the, the major one I stayed in is entertainment with first video games and now with producing some stuff. But it was really interesting to go through those seasons because you learn so much in whatever lane you're supposed to be in. And as soon as you get out of it, you can feel it. And I think it's cool that you've been in your lane for 40 years And it's grown into what it is. And then I've had this eclectic journey, which a lot of listeners can relate to one or the other, you know, I've had an eclectic career in learning about investments in different ways of real estate and silver and gold commodities and all these random things that my mentor taught me. And then now we're in this place of, you know, studio rentals and like, you know, production and all these other things, you know, TV production. It's so wild how God uses our life experience.
1: Yeah. Uh, in spite of us, or at least in spite of me. In spite of me, too, for sure.
0: <laughs> I would have never led myself down this track, but I'm glad I followed God down it because it's just created a awesome life. I look at both of our lives and I love our lives. I love our families.
1: Yeah. I think God is faithful. And we, you know, we talk about lean into him, lean not into your own understanding. We we think these things, but when we actually do it and when we're actually trying, not saying we're perfect, not saying we haven't made mistakes. He's so faithful. I mean, this is, he's in the business to do this
0: for us. He hung on the cross for just this for us. It's so true. It's so good. Well, I love that we're about to interview George about some of the stuff and he's such a character. It's going to be fun to talk to him. So stay tuned. George is coming up next. Welcome to the Exploring Series podcast with me, Sean Bowles. We're now up to three episodes a week with three different themes. Join me every Monday for Exploring the Industry, where we have powerful conversations with Christians and entertainment industries around the world who have stories about how their faith is impacting their career and the world around them. Join us Wednesdays in one of the most listened to podcasts in Christianity, Exploring the Prophetic, where I get to interview people from every walk of life about how hearing from God has changed their world and the world around them. Then come download every Friday's edition where we're exploring the marketplace with my co-host, Bob Hassan, where we have powerful interviews and we answer questions from listeners like you who have careers in the marketplace. Come take a seat in our conversation and ask your questions and subscribe to the Exploring Series where we go on one journey together to see what it looks like to have a living relationship with Jesus in every kind of life imaginable.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Exploring the Marketplace. Today we're talking to our friend, George Van Vliet,
0: Woo-hoo. who is a
1: real estate developer, and his stories are going to be amazing. You're going to love him.
0: <laughs> I've already loved him as we've been talking before the show. I've learned all kinds of things that uh, only Bob would know as a friend of George. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: George, the first question we wanted to ask you is, and I I'm, I'm, I know this story, but in uh, your early career, what did... How did Christianity affect your early career? Tell us what you were doing early before you started in real
2: estate. Um before I hit real estate hard, I was actually a professional uh, poker player.
0: <laughs> That's so amazing.
2: So I was uh you know running poker games starting in my early 20s, following after my father's footsteps and uh you know was in and out of college for the first year or two. You know, and ended up not being able to follow through with getting a degree due to the fact that I was playing poker all the time, sometimes all the way through the night and into the next day, and wow, you know, playing cards all night when your classes start. I didn't. I remember some of the guys writing uh, some of my papers <laughs> at the poker game, <laughs> so I could <laughs> take them into my college classes because they didn't want me to leave the game. So yeah, it's pretty wild. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a, so. I've lived well, out.
2: I've had three different places. Uh, rented out in Vegas at different times and, and big poker games in Minneapolis, St. Paul and lived in Vegas a number of times. And then I got radically saved the summer of 84 when I was 29 and a half. I was a hardcore atheist, big time, hardcore atheist, vicious one. And uh, I got radically saved and uh, you know, the Lord kind of over the next few months, we kind of talked about how uh, earning a living playing poker and being a parasite in society wasn't quite appropriate for somebody that wants to follow the Lord.
0: Oh man, how did real estate become the thing?
2: Uh, okay, um, I was playing poker. <laughs> at somebody else's poker game, and it's probably right 70, 1978, 79. And one of the guys there that used to uh, be a ticket scalper was uh, ran into some guys that were bringing up precious gemstones from South America, you know, emeralds, a few rubies, um, a lot of emeralds, aquamarines, topazes, and so forth, and bringing them right up from the mines, loose gemstones, and you could buy them for a fraction of what they sold in the jewelry store. So I ended up buying some of those, selling a few of them, and then on the real estate market got really slow back at that time when interest rates were going up. So I, um, Started trading massive amounts of qualities of gemstones for um, upper end houses that were not selling.
0: Let's so buy the
2: gemstones cheap, and then I get the uh, I get them they would appraise out much higher, and I I trade them at a discount based on um, you know on the appraised values, so the homeowner was getting a good deal, and but I was getting even a better deal. So I did that for a few years, and he won. I ended up getting a triflex, trading emeralds for a triflex. It was like five or six blocks from one of our really high-demand lakes where people like to walk around anyway. So I started renting it out, and I discovered I liked collecting the rent. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And
2: there's a lot of headaches with collecting the rent, but collecting the rent on the T-chart went out. So I started off with a single-family house, in seventy-nine, but the real catcher was the triplex in nineteen eighty one, where I'd go rent it out myself. It was a great way to meet people and uh people that wanted to date. I like that. So that's kind of how I got into real estate. And I started with that, you know, single family triplex, more single family triplexes, houses, four units, seven units, six units, twelves, elevens, thirty-six, and all the way up my largest property now is eleven hundred and fifty units.
0: Oh my gosh. So when you got saved in 84, and then what was the the connection between your career and your faith from that point on? Obviously, like some things happened to where you went from a small number to this massive number that you have right now.
2: The massive number that really clicked in, when I got saved, I pretty much lost. And I just was kind of working then part time. I got so I became an immediate church rat where, you know, I was going to church, you know, sometimes at least three to ten times a week and wow. out fellowshiping like crazy and you know. First Bible studies it took me a couple months before they get me to go to church and went to a Copeland Kenneth Copeland that <laughs> light thing and I was hooked. You know, so, so it's like wow. I became a church rat and Bob knows what a church rat I still am if you get me involved. So um, but the business really took off Sean when it says he who finds a wife, a godly wife finds favor with God. And mm-hmm. I met Gail in 1990. So I was just digging around with real estate from, you know, the since I was 84 and I quit playing poker and I was just digging around with real estate, a few houses. And I was also at my real estate broker's license. So I was also a real estate broker doing commission deals, making a lot of other people money and not myself. But when I met Gail in 1990, all of a sudden, you know, God changed my heart. I The guys used to say I was 100 to 1 to ever have kids, because I hated kids. I I didn't like kids. I hated them. Like, what a waste of your life raising these things. And I didn't want to get married, but, you know, then I got radically saved, and God started changing my heart. So, uh, (laughs) anyway, I met Gail at church, of course, and um, was crazy about her day one. She didn't even remember who I was. The Lord helped me out. Lord helped set me up on that date. And uh, that's another whole story. And as soon as I, Gail and I got serious, we were married in seven and a half months after our first date. Wow. I I got engaged in two and a half months. I mean, I all of a sudden didn't want her to work because she was older than me and she's 38. And we wanted to see if we'd get some kids in real quick because of her age. And all of a sudden I became turbocharged at work. And we, I remember, we would sit there and we'd have two, niche, two nickels rubbed together. I was pretty much broke because I hadn't played cards in years, and so I pretty much was broke. And she was bankrupt from a bad marriage before. And I remember praying, we would start real, working on real estate deals. I was working on getting very motivated, and she would, I mean, we would pray like wild cavanches for these deals. And wow. the favor of God and the supernatural hookups just came. I mean, I've done over 15,000 units now. I never had a mentor. I was the oldest Van Vliet when I was 25. Did this, you know, nobody in the family had done real estate before, so I'm all self-taught. And the miracles and the supernatural favor, nobody would even believe it.
1: George, um, you know, I know your story, but tell us about – a miracle that happened. You told me about a World War II vet that, that, that helped you. and But I don't know anyone who hears the Lord's voice as as clearly as you do. And so talk to us about within the real estate business, hearing the Lord's voice and then uh, him doing a miracle.
2: Well, there's, I, I wouldn't know where to begin. you uh, are you talking about is it, Benny Rossman, a real cantankerous, foul-mouthed uh, old Jewish guy. <laughs> uh, had a couple of had a bunch of apartments, and he was just a horrible operator. He was so cheap he wouldn't put any money into it. So eventually he didn't replace the roofs, and I mean the properties and were really bad repair. And um, I mean some of the roofs were caving in, and it, it was just looked like bombed out Beirut. So he and the, the properties, the, the numbers were so bad that you couldn't get a bank to give you a mortgage. So people wanted to buy the property, but he, he kept saying, I want cash, I want cash. you would be in a mortgage and nobody could get a mortgage and banks would look at the property and they'd run for the hills. They'd be too scared to lend on it. <laughs> so I met with Benny and I didn't have, he I mean, had a couple of small properties and not any real money. I met with Benny, we had lunch a couple of times and I listened to his stories and war stories and he took a hanker to me, which a lot of guys did for some reason back then. And uh, lo and behold, he said, well, you know, George, I wouldn't normally do this, but I think I'll finance the property for you. Oh you buy gosh. it on a contract, seller financing. And he ended up selling it to me for less than 5% down. <laughs> <which is something laughs> I think it The was...
0: favor of God.
2: And of course, he said, I'll sell it to you for 50 grand. Can you come up with 50 grand? And, you know, I think the property is well over a million bucks. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I think so. I, of course, I didn't have five grand. So then I had to run around and get partners and raise the money and get favor there. And just crazy. And so he ended up financing that deal. We made a killing on that, the 109 units. Then he had a 310 unit that I really wanted. That's another whole story. When I was in that years before, and one of the sisters at church was having a dinner party, single dinner party over at the place. And she lived in this 310 unit and it was in such horrible repair. But it has vaulted three store the third floor units had vaulted ceilings. It was really a cool property. It had so much potential. And I remember my roommate rebuking me because I was walking around looking, man, has this got potential? Six blocks from a lake. I mean, this could be something. I'd really like to lo- I'd really like to buy this someday. And just, man, I'd, I'd office out here myself and turn this baby around. It's just like a diamond in the rough. And my re- roommate, Bobby, got, rebuked me. He said, George, you're just so crazy. That would never <laughs> oh, happen. Man. You're such a dreamer. You sit around <laughs> on the phone all day long, just sitting down in your office, calling and talking. This is not going to happen. You're broke. <laughs> you don't have any money. I <laughs> said, I know, but this deal's got so much potential. So then I had me Benny Ross, he sold me his 109 units. And then um, a couple of, he wouldn't sell me the 310, but eventually he liked what we did at the 109 units so well that um, he says, I'll let you buy in. I'll finance you again with like four or 5% down, but here's what you got to do. You've got to allow me to buy back in in new new partnership because I know how much money you're going to make. Oh, wow. Because he owned it, but I think he only owned 20, 25% of it. So he sold the whole partnership to me, but then he bought back in for the same, you know, roughly the same ownership. And then you blessed him. Made it worth it three times what we paid for it. So that's crazy. I mean, there's hundreds of these stories. Just, it's just, I look back and I just shake my head.
0: That's so cool. I love the, the favor thread that is coming through just as far as like, you know, being filled with opportunities that you didn't create yourself, that you're just walked with God. And this is such a, do, do you have like a story of like when his voice kind of interrupted your life and something happened because, you know, it was a divine interruption.
2: That's a good one. <laughs> I was a total atheist. And what do you, I like? I like to tell guys, I was like, I was a hardcore atheist, like my dad. I said, what are you going to do when all of a sudden God shows up and talks to you? Says, I'm here. <laughs> wow. What are you going to do? You go, oops. He says, "Yeah, it's a good." <laughs> he says, "But the good news is, I got a really. I, let me tell you the deal I got for you." And I heard the deal. I'm like, "Who wouldn't take this? <laughs> all oh this love, gosh. you're gonna bless me." And you know, yeah, there'll be some trials and tribulations, but you're gonna. I mean, I, the guy told me what the deal I'm gonna get. I'm like, "Who in their mind would pass on this?" <laughs> so I said, "I'm in."
0: It's, well, especially when the revelation comes out strong. I mean, it's like when you really know that you know you're going from from zero belief to all of a sudden an encounter. And I think that's just such a huge thing that, you know, sounds like it's been a leading of your life. I was reading just through our notes together and I was just, you know, Bob had asked, is there anything, a uh, story of redemption or of how God fixed it? And you talked about well, in a time of recession, your credit got destroyed and God sent you a partner who's willing to sign up with new projects.
2: Oh yeah. I've been through a lot of real estate cycles, you know, where, you know, starting like, there was one, the big one with the great recession. No, I'm sorry. With the, um, not the great Rece- RTC bailout. Yeah. You know, every, everything crashed and then, you know, the Great Recession just recently. And what happens is some of your properties just take huge hits financially. They just drop a lot. And what happens is um, sometimes, unfortunately, these properties can go from making money to losing a million dollars or more a year in negative cash flow. Wow. So you go to the bank, and sometimes the bank is reasonable and rewrites the loan with you. And sometimes they're not reasonable and you don't have the money and your partners refuse to put up the money. So, you know, other option, but they to, to give them the keys, which is, was very painful for me to do, but just had to be done. But wow. the Lord was, again, was, was very faithful because when people, some investors looked at my track record of have, being insanely profitable with my Holy Ghost model, made so much <laughs> money, they said, sure, we'll say, yeah. You know, we saw you gave it back, but that was after you refinanced it and made millions in profit. So I would go ahead and do that. And um, when they went back and reestablish myself, I've had somebody else said, I'll partner up with you, George. Give me, Let me buy in for 20% of the deal, and I'll sign on the mortgages, and you can reestablish yourself that way. So I did a bunch of those wow. during the Great Recession. And then George. we had so much incredible um, success during the great recession, the banks came running back to me. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. After your credit got
1: repaired, George, there's one thing that you mentioned kind of in passing. Well, it's not that... my
2: personal credit. My personal credit was very high. It was just, you know, your reputation, the businesses, you gave some back, but then again, virtually everybody did during the great recession. So yeah. it wasn't like it was just me. It's like virtually everybody did.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: Understand you mentioned something in passing about you never had a mentor and what I'd like to talk about it, just as we close is the fact that you have become a mentor to so many young men in the church and you have taken the time to uh, talk about your business successes and failures. And why do you think God gave you the ability after not ever having a mentor um, to be able to do that in, in, with young people?
2: Empathy. Mm-hmm. it's when when i have guys sitting down mostly guys and now that i'm married i, I can't you know i can't counsel women anymore and so it's mostly men that you know bob it was empathy and i mm-hmm. just having to have a, a big desire to help just and when <clears throat> when guys sit down and George, you don't understand what I've gone through. I go, oh, really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably try living in seven or eight different family units by the time you're in seventh or eighth grade you know wow. so I said really' <laughs> it's multiple foster homes so I don't know i've been I've had such a tough life that um I just have amazing amount of empathy and Lord just supernaturally when I hit I hear what they're going through, he just kind of as you know, Bob, just gives me things to tell them. <clears throat> it's like mm-hmm. I keep getting these words of knowledge and words of wisdom for people, uh, that are just right from the throne room. And it's so really good. cool watching, really cool doing that. So my favorite thing to do.
0: I just love how God took your life and recreated his drive in you, even for your marriage, your kids, your, you know, your whole business and, and now pouring into so many people all these years and helping them to really overcome and have courage and be brave mm-hmm. in their relationship with god and so thank you so much george for being on today it's been delightful for real Perfect. and stay tuned for bob and i who are going to answer your questions next everything we're doing with our podcast is made possible by our incredible partners and financial contributors to our ministry they are helping us to bring the equipment to upgrade everything we're doing to have the time and space to do this It's a free offering we give to you. Maybe you're listening in your shower. Maybe you're listening in your car, your workout. Well, I want to continue to do this. I'm going to continue to have these incredible guests tell their prophetic process of how God's spoken to them so you can get a vision of how God speaks to you. And also so that other people all around the world can have this resource at their fingertips from their smart device, their computer, their YouTube, whatever they have that they will have this this incredible resource. So go on the partnership journey with us. As a partner, you're going to receive an email and communication every month from us. We resource you with a partnership page that has literally dozens and dozens of messages that only of our partners have. We also have partnership co- contribution back to you where we actually give resources. You guys get stuff first. Usually at Christmas time, we have a new book come out. You guys get it before everybody else and you get it signed. I love our partnership program. I love being on the journey with our partners because they are some of our they're a team. They're a family. They're the ones who are contributing to make this happen. Come be a partner today. Go to bowlsministries.com under giving and membership, and you will become a partner. Now we're on to one of my favorite parts because we get to hear questions from you, our listening audience. And this is from who, Bob? This is from Kathy from New Zealand.
3: My name's Kathy, and I'm just uh, phoning from New Zealand and just wondering if you could help me. I've got a question. I, I'm a sales rep traveling around New Zealand. I do the whole of the North Island and I see a lot of people every day in my job. And um, yeah, I'm just wondering what your advice would be to me on how to reach those people. I'm always a bit, feel a bit shy about asking to pray for them. And usually I don't have a lot of time with them, just a few minutes while I'm showing them products and then I leave. But I usually pray for people before I go in and when I'm on the road, I'm praying or customers and, and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I'd appreciate any tips or advice you have for me. Thanks, Sean. I love your show. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Kathy, it's a great question.
0: And all of us, obviously, if you're in the marketplace, it's going to be a different answer depending on what kind of marketplace you're in and you are in a sales job. So you get a few minutes with people. And it just depends on like in the entertainment industry where I'm involved with, uh, if we bring faith on set or into the environment in a really strong way, other than to pray or something. A lot of times you actually get discounted or you can't work there anymore because it's considered one of those, you know, it's cancel culture. (laughs) It's considered one of those things, we're here for a job, that's what we're here for. Don't bring another agenda, don't bring multi-level marketing, don't bring your faith, don't bring anything else. You could be a person of faith, but don't bring it. So it's like it's different for each environment you go into, but that doesn't mean if I'm one on one with an actor or producer, director, whoever, that I can't share something and I have many times. So for you who gets these moments with people, there's no straight answer. You're gonna have to ask Holy Spirit each time. Even before you go into it, like what God, uh, can you make the most of the day and help me to make the most of every opportunity? Like it says in Galatians, make the most of every opportunity. And that's what I'm praying all the time. Like, God, let my time be significant. Now, that doesn't mean you should have a performance to make an overtly spiritual encounter happen, because sometimes you can violate something that's even greater, which is someone just seeing an amazing person who has integrity, who's sharing with them. Maybe they've had 20 bad interactions that week and you're a light. And it actually makes them curious. So the next time they meet with you, they'll ask you about something. Or maybe it's just, you know, a matter of representing the company or maybe it's your company or someone else's that you didn't say. And being a witness and a light of what it is to be a Christian in a company. So you create um, your your conversation what Christianity is like through a thousand interactions. And then people start to take notice. Maybe it's not that person that you'd have a necessary a divine prophetic moment with on the road, but it's the employees you work with or the other people you're working for. and those are the things we have to consider is that most Christians are told your workplace is part of your ministry environment, but if you allow ministry into an environment where it's hostile or not allowed, you could actually violate the culture of whatever you're working in. I'm not talking about your Christianity itself, but when you're trying to evangelize when you have another agenda than the actual working agenda itself. So I just want to encourage you to just pray, be led by the Holy Spirit. I know you're already doing it. just ask him for more, ask him for more opportunities if you're saying God I want to see. Radical things happen, he's listening to you and he'll make them happen.
1: Oh, Sean, that's such a beautiful answer. Kathy, I uh, go and in my business, I meet people, and sometimes I have a short time or sometimes I have a longer time. But why don't you try this experiment? When you begin the morning, why don't you ask God to give you a divine appointment? I don't know if you're seeing six or 10 or 20 people a day, and I don't know how long your short time is, but be aware in your heart when you're talking to people. And take cues from people, ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment, and wait for somebody to ask you a question that would lead um, them to the Lord. So I'm not saying evangelize them. I'm saying have compassion. And when somebody says, "My, my, my sick aunt is dying, you could say something simply like, oh, I'll pray for them. I'm really sorry. Yeah. And that would give you the ability to start having encounters in your work without um, getting out of your comfort zone. Because I can tell you have a really, really neat heart uh, for the Lord.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to say we love New Zealand. I found out that we're one of the top Christian podcasts in New Zealand every week. So wow. we have a lot of you listening. We love you guys. Keep listening. So I hope that helps. Thanks, you guys, Thanks. today for the questions and answers. Please ask your questions to us again by going to com. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Thanks for listening to the Exploring the Marketplace podcast, part of the Exploring podcast series.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing or even rating and reviewing so that more people can connect to us. Also, we'd love to be part of your spiritual journey and we have amazing resources at our website, www.boldsministries.com, B-O-L-Z ministries.com, including other free media, TV shows, books, and even an ongoing mentoring online platform. See you there.